that must be what it feels like to be outside of quarantine. What is going on, everybody? This is the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, the podcast for cover band musicians and barely just to learn how to rock more and suck less in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm Adam Johnson. In Greensboro, North Carolina, outside of quarantine. Damn Freshly right. sprung. Freshly sprung. Boy, oh boy. So can you tell our listeners out there in Podcastopia, like how long you were in that bedroom? I was in that bedroom for 12 days. And um, it, it's an interesting thing. So the CDC, um, how to how to isolate, all that business. Um, all of their guidance is very much uh, symptom based. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did I did a I did a thing that seemed wise at the time, which was on day five I took a home test. We happened to have some stockpiled. They they are mm-hmm. scarce out there in the world, but we happen to have a few. So I took one on day five. It was positive. I'd been hopeful maybe it wouldn't be and I'd be out, but it was not. I was positive. I had to stick around. And then so then day, day 10 came along. I'd been feeling better, essentially symptom-free for two or three days at that point. Um, took it on day 10 and it was positive. Ooh. So we immediately got all over the internet and there's really no guidance about this. After day 10, you shouldn't be contagious anymore. Also, it's also true that an antigen test, a home test, testing positive indicates the presence of live virus that you might be contagious. So um, at some point it was like we were haggling with ourselves and debating and having a lot of like, well, what does it mean? And um, I just came to the point where, frankly, we're in for a penny and for a pound. I, I didn't sit in a room for 10 days to come out marginally contagious and spread. And get your family yeah, sick. Yeah, exactly. Like, like that would be really stupid on day 10 to do that. Yeah. So we just made the decision to just stick around in the room until the test is negative. And on day uh, 11, it was very faintly positive, uh, which is positive, Ugh. but very faint. And then on yeah. day, day 12, finally, it was not. So I came out on day 12. And and, and I've had some lingering sort of um, crud in my throat, that sort of thing. But, yeah. but, uh, but basically, I'm well and back among the living. Uh, but in the process, we did um, pass up our New Year's Eve gig because mm-hmm. I wasn't positive yet, but Taylor was. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that true? No, 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 no. Sorry, I was. I my positive test was the Thursday before New Year's, so we both were at that point. And then yeah. I still was positive the following Sunday when we had our second possible first gig uh, for the new project, and so we passed on that too. So both of the scrambly ass get ourselves ready for these two gigs that were coming right up. Neither of them happened. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, in a sense, that's good because it means that we can now, we have nothing booked right now with the new project. We actually have time to spend some quality rehearsal room time and get a, a third hour into the show. We only have a two hour show right now. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and then also start working from some of the tracks we've been building. I think we're going to come touch back on that a little later in the, mm-hmm. in the episode, but, um, you know, so we're in a place now where we're, um, we're, we're, we we have some breathing room to really create, um, and we're not under massive time pressure to get something show ready now. Yeah. Right. So so in, in the end, it's a good thing. Um, but it was a bummer. I really would have liked to get our first couple of shows under our belt. Um, but there you go. Yeah. Again, there's not a whole lot you can do when uh, everybody's got the plague. Well, and it was interesting because all these things were closing. On fear of COVID, ours closed mm-hmm. literally because, like, they were active. Like, we we actually had it. It was a real thing. So, yeah. 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 You know, we were concerned about this thing that's on Saturday. And as of right now, it is still happening. Okay. So, you know, we 
it's been kind of a, a a point of stress for me because we typically, I mean, we have we have cleaned up in this venue, yeah, like many oh, many th- times. This is your public event venue. This is where you do. It is. Yeah, we've sold it out on multiple occasions, and you know, ticket sales are let's just say soft. Yeah, you know, so there's there was that, and I'm of course worried about the relationship we have with the venue and, you know, it being an issue. And they called us and we're just like trying to hammer out some final things. And they're like, look, we just finished doing this renovation and, you know, we had to close for two weeks. Like we 100% get that this is not ideal. So you guys are a proven product at this venue. If things go sideways, it doesn't, you know, we're not going to hold that against you. They, <laughs> She said, we have just we have dubbed January zero expectation month. So <laughs> that's good. That's good. And you know, in because they're trying to kind of get their feet back under them, they're they're trying some new stuff. They completely they redid their sound system. They moved the stage. They revamped their menu. Um, and then another thing that they've done is they've actually bumped start times for shows up like nice. considerably. All right. So. Typically, we would we wouldn't get home until like two a.m. because yeah. I mean you're playing till after twelve, twelve thirty, and then you got to load out and all of that. Well, they're opting to do early show and then like a late night kind of dance thing, which they've tied in. Um, but that's a separate ticketed event. So they were like, um, "We need you guys out of the building before ten thirty. Wow. I was like, say no more, fam. Done. <laughs> I am gone. You know, I really so, think that's the direction music events are going to go. I think starting stuff at 11 is so ridiculous. Uh, th- yeah. That didn't make any sense when I was 20. And for sure, when I'm past 40, it doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, we're playing from 8 to 9.30 now. So it's a 90-minute set. We, had, we were going to prep for two hours, and we actually had almost two and a half hours worth of music in the pipeline. So like, can you do 90? I was like, yeah, let's start cutting stuff. Mm-hmm. So I sent it to our, um, our guitar player who's still kind of in the process of, of, uh, getting together, uh, with our stuff. And, uh, we sat down last night on zoom to, uh, hammer out parts, uh, one more time. And then I was like, give me your hell yeses and hell no's and we'll just go from there. And so that's what we're doing. And, uh, we still have more than we need to uh to fill the night out so that's good i find that a 90 minute set is really hard to design because i have so many songs i love and i hate to not do mm-hmm. i i've i'm i feel way better doing two hours and than less well yeah i mean we had kind of built it as like two sets and now it's not it's just right. gonna you right. know right we're doing the we're, we're doing the w's yeah or the dragon's tail or however you want to call it <laughs> so yeah you know that's kind of where we're at other than that you know I've been kind of in just a funk of sorts, and I think a lot of it was around kind of the stress around this event, which has kind of dissipated a little bit. I'm yeah. I'm I'm tentatively looking forward to it, and um, you know, I one of the things that like I made a bunch of goals for 2022, and one of them was I I'm going to replace myself in members only. Yeah. So I'm in the process of kind of getting that figured out, and and really trying to see if. This band, this co- these concepts, and this agency can stand on its own two feet without me having my fingers in all the pots. So that's that's kind of what we're looking at right now. We're we're trying to figure out what that looks like uh, moving forward, and 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 
kind of standing it up on it on its own um on its own kind of foundation so yeah. uh that's actually that's helped a, a little bit to kind of like ease my mind and uh yeah that's kind of where where things are as of as of now it's great uh, we don't have anything else on the books we may have something in february i know we have something like first weekend in march um live band karaoke stuff so yeah there's just it's it's kind of more the same we're prepping i'm prepping um promo for the pop punk thing i just got some bass tracks back we're kind of laying those out and uh yeah other than that i just bought some fun new new toys you want are we you want to talk gear let's talk gear let's talk gear so uh why don't you why don't you share yours well so um i have this uh quad cortex um from neural dsp that is the new hotness among guitar modelers and i like mm-hmm. it a lot i've been using it in rehearsal i'm i'm fully sold um and i've been building patches for songs and just experimenting with it a lot and it's it's fully replaced the helix for me um i still own the helix and i will probably travel with it as a backup uh for a while but um but yeah i like it very much um but I also have this vocal effects paddle. It's a TC Helicon uh, Voice Live 3 Extreme that mm-hmm. is actually larger than the Quad Cortex. And yeah, I use it's, it, it's a big one. It's a big one. And, and I've been um, trying to figure out how I'm going to travel with both of them because I do need them both. And if I'm going to put them on a board, then I probably ought to just bite the bullet and put an expression pedal on there. Cause I want one. And, um, the one thing that the quad cortex doesn't have, which is the Digitech freak out, the, the yeah. uh, feedback, uh, simulator, which is a glorious <laughs> paddle. I mean, it's so, you wouldn't think of it. It's so musical and so tasty. Um, uh, it's not an always on for me, but it's a mostly on. Um, and then I just bought the G 50 wireless from line six. So I've got that to kind of coordinate too. So, I'm thinking I'm back in the pedal board game, but not with individual <laughs> pedals. It's the big multi-effects things, the guitar one mm-hmm. and the vocal one, and then the couple of onesies um, yeah. on a pedal board. But the Voice Live 3 is huge. Too big. Too big. So what I've ordered and what is going to get here on um, today, we're talking on the 13th of January, it'll get here on the mm-hmm. 18th, so middle of next week, is the Boss VE500, okay. which is a voice effects pedal. Um by like as as the as the name implies boss um and it's a much smaller form factor and it does way less than the voice live 3 but it happens to do just the stuff i use the voice live 3 for that's that's a valid point uh i you know i've been a guy who's been like this pedal does what i want plus 90 other things mm-hmm. and and that's been a selling point for me and i've i've um i'm coming to understand that perhaps best of breed things that target exactly the use case I need are actually a better move, especially when the yep. layout on the pedal board is more concise. Um, yep. I've done the math. I've done all the geometry of this and it will actually fit on a pedal board, um, Novo 24, uh, pedal train, um, yep. 24 inch pedal board that I've owned for a long time. Um, and so I don't need to buy a new device for that. I do have my new Sweetfoot power distributor, my new isolated power source, which is, um, custom built. So I talked to the guy and he built me special outputs. So it's got two, actually it's got three 12 volts Mm -hmm. for three pedals. I have that are 12 volts and then six, nine volt, just plain old batteries. And then two USBs 
because I got That's cool. I got need for USB too. So the the layout of this and the circuitry of it is custom designed by me, built by the guy. That's sick for exactly my purpose. It's I'm super happy about it. I haven't plugged anything into it yet, but I'm excited to. So yeah. So did you so, opt for the artwork? Did you get any? No, I went plain aluminum. Nice be, because it's going to go underneath the pedal board. So I know, but as much like, as, so this is this is my my travel board. This is one that the uh, that the HX Stomp runs uh-huh, on. Uh-huh. And, you got and then Tesla my that. sweet foot is this guy back here. Yeah. And as you can see, you got Tesla and he's got his eyes light up. Tesla have light up eyes. That's nice. He's got light up eyes. Yeah, that's nice. And this was hit one of his out of the, out of the box. Yes. Uh, deals. Yeah. And there's a lot so of, so in my case, it's a lot of art options. It powers, it powers the stomp, which was what it was special for. And right. then one other device. So, um, it'll do the shore wireless and, or the, my voice live play, uh, it powers that as well. Cool. And so what I really need to do is get like two of these and do like a, I'm playing guitar and a band board and I'm doing a solo acoustic board. I contemplated uh, that right I, now. I've decided that I'm just going to have one and I'm going to set up some acoustic patches on the Q, on the quad cortex and just use it in all circumstances. Well, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. It's just a matter of do I need a wireless or do I need a voice box? You know what mm. I mean? Yeah. So the size of the board kind of dictates that sure. is, is, is in, at least for my use case. Yeah. But yeah, no, that sweet foot pedal is, uh, or power supply is fantastic. Yeah. His turnaround was fast. The price was great. I, I, um, like I say, haven't plugged it in. It might explode when I plug it in, but short of that, I can fully say sweet foot pedals, um, and their custom power ISO bricks killer option. Well, you should email him and be like, "Hey, we have a podcast, and if you want to give us a thing, like we'll we'll yeah, I think it's probably worth doing now that we both yeah yeah are I'll do it endorsees I'll do it I'll do it. So uh, very cool. I, I I really am curious about the whole boss thing because like the voice live is fine, but like you said, it does like I've got one patch that mm-hmm. I use. Yeah, it is a three part harmony patch that I use. Um, I've gotten rid of all the other things because the stomp does all of that heavy lifting for me. Um, but you know, if, and when this thing decides it doesn't feel like being a voice, uh, processor anymore, uh, you know, I, I'm definitely curious to see what else is on the market. Yep. 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 And I think this one, for me, the sort of realisticness of the harmonies Mm -hmm. is the only real selling point for me. I've, I've been, I've been through a few different, um, I think all TC Helicon, but sort of a few generations of their voice processing and harmony generation, um, logic. And, uh, the best one I've found from them is the, is the voice live three. Um, but the samples I, I saw online of the boss was very nice. So yeah, I think it'll probably do fine. Very cool. Yeah. All right. So the, here are my, my two little gear purchases as of recent. Um, the first one is. Interesting for me and probably no one else. Uh, I was talking with Dan before that, you know, I've been low-key obsessed with the um, the Explorer that I have that I purchased uh, a couple of years ago. And it's been my number one for probably the past year. We should say for non-guitar players, it is a, it is a large, pointy guitar. It is. And um, it is, it's got a very unique set of pickups and it is very versatile mm-hmm. uh for its pointiness um 
my only gripe is that it's got the um the Schaller style uh what are they called? Strap locks. Yeah. The ones that require it to be like point in the right direction, otherwise mm-hmm. they don't work at all. Right. Uh and it has it has dropped on me too many times. Mm. So it is going up on the wall and it looks great on the wall and it's just going to stay on the wall for now. That's what, that's what I've decided. Yeah. Um, in exchange for that, I was like, it's time to pull the Steinberger back out and put it into rotation. So what I opted to do is get, uh, a brass locking, uh, board or kind of nut almost, uh, for the end of it so that I can use regular guitar strings and not special proprietary, um, Steinberger strings. So when, when you told me strings. this, it was the first time I understood that really you need to have special strings with balls on both ends that are the that are the string length, that are the the scale length of that instrument. Mm-hmm. And that's a very specific thing to have to go find and buy. Yes, and the fact of the matter is, is that no music stores sell them. I always had to order them on Amazon. Yeah, and what's happened is that the supply chain has gotten so strained. Uh, that the strings that I used to buy are no longer available, mm-hmm. and they were prohibitively expensive to to purchase. So for the cost of two sets of those strings, I got a brass little guy that goes on the end. It's just of, like a locking nut, just like a just like you'd have for a Floyd Rose or something. One hundred percent. And and um, so you basically just run your normal string through it, and then you uh, torque it down, and then you tune it as such. And it's cool. So far, so good, man. So, yeah, I was very happy about that, and um, the Steinberger is back in rotation and will be played uh, at the show on Saturday. Now, you, and then, it, it is worth noting that you're going from, like, the a very large guitar that's essentially a massive slab of wood to a very tiny guitar that's a... To nearly yeah, no guitar at all. Basically, no body on that guitar. So, uh, yeah, that may... It's an interesting... Cause you it's some... It's an interesting yeah. metaphor, if nothing else. It is, yeah. So, you know, when we got the... Um, we have a suburban that we purchased as a means of transporting all of the uh, all the band's gear and the car that re- we replaced with the suburban was a Nissan Leaf so it's kind of like the same story but backwards yeah yeah it's you like went from... the like the philosophical opposite yeah. of the one preceding it very little car to essentially a tank and uh the opposite guitar was yeah. So the other piece of gear that I bought this uh this past week is um a an iPhone recording interface. Hmm. So it is no secret to those of you who keep tabs on us is that, that I've, I've kind of garnered a bit of a following on, on the TikToks. Um, it's honestly the largest following, uh, we have short of the podcast. And, uh, one of the things that is really cool about that platform is that you can, um, you can duet other people's videos and, you know, musicians have kind of taken it upon themselves to, um, start, projects and then you can add your own instrumentation to it in order to kind of like make these fun collabs and so uh this what i purchased was is uh made by ik multimedia and it is the irig stream now it's not much there really isn't much to look at at all really uh but what it does offer is one of the it the the connector is a lightning connector and it's got a couple of other plugs uh you can interface it with a normal pc or um or a USB-C input on a Mac. And uh, it's got it's got two inputs, literally just RCA left and right. But it does allow you to uh, record an instrument into your phone, mm. and it monitors 
everything out so you can play along with these videos. And the interesting thing is that like I did a lot of research about like what options there were. This is literally it. <laughs> like it, it, and it was interesting like I I went out onto uh, I went onto Twitter and I was like uh for professional musicians who want to use this platform, IK Multimedia is the only company who's like taking this seriously. Yeah. And I, I kind of like inquired with other creators, like what else is out there? And they're like, this is it. So it's, it, it's the only show in town really. Yeah. I, I had an iRig way back in the day, maybe seven or eight years ago. Um, when I was looking for a way to record guitar into my iOS devices and, and mm-hmm. yeah, I've never seen another brand that targeted that particular workflow. Um, which is crazy because so much of most social media is happening strictly phone based these days. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm still trying to get a feel for it there. They do actually make a, um, a more like there's an iRig stream pro, uh, that I think is still in like the pre-order phase that actually includes an XLR input as well. So mm. you can like plug a mic directly into it. Yeah. Uh, but it's twice the price and doesn't exist in the real world. So this was $99 and, um, you know, based on the amount of stuff that I'm doing with it, it seemed like it was a, the right move. So, and I'm looking at that as you hold it up there, we're, we're, we're talking over zoom here for those of you mm-hmm. listening on the audio that has a dual, uh, stereo RCA ins. Yep. So how do you, how do you plug your stuff into that? So, you know, right now I can do it one of two ways. The easiest thing to do is that typically I'm either going to plug in the, uh, the, the HX stop mm-hmm. or my voice live to kind of either play over something or sing over something. So in that case, you just take the headphone out of either one of those devices and you, uh, you get one of these doodads, which is, you know, an eighth inch on one side and a double RCA in the other and a double RCA in the other. There you go. Bingo. So it's actually, it's super easy. All right, fair enough. Uh, and I've tried it on both. And I was like, well, maybe I, maybe I'll just run everything into my um, my Apogee interface through the computer, do the processing and logic, and then send it out that way. But I, 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 I couldn't figure out how to get the gain staging right. Um, and it just, it seemed like more trouble than it was worth. So I was like, you know what? This is a perfectly workable solution. Yeah, it's just a lot of processing happening that way. It's way more direct yeah. to... Yeah, so doing. this way it's literally like Mike goes into a box, it goes out of the box and into the phone. So yeah, and yeah, it's been it's been fun. Um, I uh, I sang a duet with Leanne Rhymes. Nice, nice. I uh, I played "Holiday" by Madonna over some dudes like super progressive heavy metal blast beats, and then um, two guys were playing "Mr. Brightside" and I sang over this, and I did that too. So Very nice, just a fun excuse to kind of collaborate with strangers. That's good. That's good. See, so, yeah, I have one of my two, my I have, two purchases. I have one other piece of gear news that I forgot to mention when we talked before we hit the record button. <laughs> Tell me about it. So there's this company called Mod Devices. Yep. And they make uh, a number of different um, d- things that essentially are emulators of all kinds of stuff. They can do they can do rigs that are plugins from all kinds of all kinds of different sources, and um, it's very complex stuff. And um, <clears throat> I've had my eye on them for a while. I backed on Kickstarter their Mod Dwarf project, mm-hmm. which is a very small form factor version of what they're doing, and it came this last week. Ah, I think I saw I saw ads for this on Facebook or something, where it's like it's basically like a um, it is a virtual or like a no, I'm sorry, it's a hardware 
uh, plugin host, isn't it? Basically, isn't yeah. Its- essentially. Yeah. So my my thing for it is it will be the sound generator for my wireless keytar. Ah. Yeah. Very and nice. I've been waiting for for there to be something that because I've never felt good about like. A, a software-based thing, bring my laptop out and drive the keep tire out of that. It, it always felt weird and didn't feel gig worthy somehow. Um, mm-hmm. So I now have a piece of hardware that is made of aluminum. It's perfectly solid and, and I can set it up with all kinds of tones. Um, and in my new pedal board design, I left room for it. Ah. So my pedal board will now drive guitar voice and keyboard. Very cool. All off the same pedal board. So that's very exciting. A lot to learn about the thing, but, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's gotta be a learning curve there. If nothing else, you gotta learn how to play a guitar. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, listen, I started, I started taking piano lessons when I was five. I know my way around the blacks and whites of it, but, um, yeah, there's like a, a lot of mapping of buttons to MIDI things and making sound effects and, you know, sources do different stuff. There's, There's a lot to get my head around there. So for sure. Um, yeah. I'm still in the market for a uh, for a digital piano for the basement. I don't necessarily. I I, I want something a little more than just a MIDI controller, and mm-hmm. I want it to not be a part of my workstation. I want it to be like a separate yeah. kind of like deal. Right. But that is attached to the computer via USB. So if I want to mm-hmm. track things with it, mm-hmm. I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like I I realize that like that's just one of those things that I miss having i just miss having a piano that i can just yeah chords on yeah so and and you know the 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 youngest one has started to you know show interest in it so good definitely um open to that yeah uh but yeah that's the only other like piece of gear that i'm currently on the hunt for uh for the uh for the foreseeable future yeah very cool and that's gear news that's gear news a lot of it indeed so we had a couple of ideas on what we wanted to cover this week. Um, there's definitely a, a, a great conversation somewhere about the uh, mental state of musicians right now, uh, you know, around the your gigs getting canceled or you spending, I don't know, 12 days in a bedroom isolated from your family. Yeah. There's some mental health stuff that we really need to probably talk about, but... I feel like Dan literally has been out of out of uh, isolation for less than 24 hours. And yeah. I feel like he probably let's just like not let's not go back there right this second. Seems wise. Let's revisit that in a week or so. Yeah. So um, this this week, we're going to talk about the stuff that we have been uh, posting on uh, on TikTok and on YouTube, uh, specifically around backing tracks. Now, last week. I made a video about why bands should consider using backing tracks. And overall, reception was like outstandingly mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. The YouTube like viewer viewership is like way higher than our normal engagement. And it I think it's still at like a hundred percent like nobody disliked it, which I was honestly surprised by. Yeah. I figured that we would get berated by, you know, these cork sniffers that were like, you know, talking about it being cheating, whatever. <laughs> But my friend Jeff was like, you know what, you know, you kind of only, you were only talking to one side of the, of of the, uh, of the argument. So why don't you make a counterpoint video? So that is what I did, uh, this week. It'll be out tomorrow. So, or, you know, if you're listening to this on Friday, it'll be out, uh, today. So, uh, that is what's going out this week, which is (laughs) 
the exact opposite uh, argument is, <laughs> you know, why your band shouldn't use backing tracks. So, but you know, with Dan kind of spinning up his new project, I know that he has uh, wandered into some of the things that I have uh, I've been fairly familiar with over the over the course of uh, the past few years. Yeah, and uh, we haven't really like dug into that topic uh, recently at all. And, um, I'm starting to get like, I've gotten a lot of email inquiries about it, um, from, from YouTube and, and, you know, it might be at some point the time to like do like a course or something. I don't, I don't have any for sure. I don't know what that would entail, um, to build curriculum like that, but, uh, let's talk about tracks this week. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I did while I was holed up in a room in a box for 12 days, um, And I think probably inspired a little by the video from last week where you were you were talking about it. Um, I did start to think about what songs I'd like to do that that would include tracks. And for sure, most most of the material we have planned doesn't need tracks. It's sure. gu- guitar tunes. We can do them on our own. Um, um, but there are a few that I've always wanted to do. And in fact, I will I will give a quick shout out to our buddy Mike Shelty and the Pork Tornadoes. Their version of "Sale" by AWOL Nation. Mm-hmm. Oh, and and it's very inspiring, and I and I and I um uh, I like it a lot. And and then my new bassist is like me in that she is a huge Talking Heads fan, and so I've always wanted to do Once in a Lifetime, but the the you just can't do it without the arpeggiator running in the background. That you know bur- yeah. burbly synthy thing happening is so defining of that tune. Um. And so I started looking around for, for those things. I looked on, um, karaoke, um, version. So thank you. Karaoke version.com. And they had them both, but they were both a little unsatisfying. Yeah. Yeah. The, the issue around some of these things, especially like the, the 80 stuff, when you've got like, per, like very specific synth models mm-hmm. is that the, they have facsimiles of those sounds, but they're not, they're not great. The sounds. Yeah. Yeah. So the, alter- the alternative then is to find original recording stems. Now those Mm -hmm. are, you might think like, Oh, I don't know the right engineers in the world to get my hands on that. But it happens that those are made available for certain rhythm games Mm -hmm. on certain gaming platforms. Um, in a file format called Mog, it's a multi-track OG file. Um, so what what Dan is talking about is that in the mid aughts there was this you know explosion of uh, apps like Guitar Hero, Hero and Rock Band where mm-hmm. you were able to kind of like personify different positions of the band and in order for the video game to process those things you had they had they had generated this file format that allows you to enable or disable certain instruments. Yep. In order to fill the space uh, in the song, and, and essentially they're, uh, they're just multi-tracks. They're just multi-track stems. That's all that is. Yeah, yeah. The only thing is that they are kind of they're broken up in in let's say interesting ways. That's true. That's true. So the one that I found for Once in a Lifetime, Talking Heads, has that burbly synthy background thing and some of the rhythm vocals all mm-hmm. all on the same track because there was no differentiation. I mean, that, that there was, you know, there's no plastic version of a keyboard that you could play on rock band to be that keyboard sound. Um, right. so it was just everything that's not somebody's controller in their hand is sort of the everything else track, but it's fine. I they, think they call them, they're called rhythm tracks typically in 
Yeah. I, 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 After pouring through, like, so for full disclosure, a very large chunk of members only's like stem playbacks are the original multitracks either that I found online or through mog files. Yeah. 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 And, and I'm not, I will just say right out loud, I'm unclear about the legal status of any of these things. I'm I'm going to say that the blanket licenses that uh, venues pay for uh, performing rights organizations cover these things because love it. Yeah, that's as that's, good, that's the best. That's the best. Uh, that makes more sense than anything else I can come up with. I like it. I like it. Not a lawyer. I like it. No, but but the venues, like you know, their their ASCAP and their BMI already covers this. I like there it. You go. Let's go with that. Um, so the point is, I ended up with a, a very nice, clean synth track that also has the backing vocals going doom, 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 doom. There's, there's actually a vocal doing that in the original mm-hmm. recording um, for Once in a Lifetime. And then the strings and the synth lead on sale. Um, the, the trick is, of course, you bring those stems into, in my case, Logic Pro. Um, not being a very mature and experienced Logic Pro user, there's a lot of stuff happening there about detecting tempos and then as things move around it sort of gets it 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 finds points in the song where it feels like it thinks it needs to change the tempo and so there's a lot i have not yet learned about how to really orchestrate that so that it's clean and 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 keeps it a rhythm going but but you know you build essentially a a rhythm a, a click track um using a uh an instrument an internal instrument inside Logic Pro, and uh, and it follows the tempo that Logic detected when you imported the recordings, and in principle, you dump out a file that has a click on one side and all the all the flown in synth and horns and whatever else uh, in the other channel. So it's very interesting. So, yeah, let's walk through the whole process there, the workflow. Please, so, Mog files cannot be opened up in just any. DAW. So specifically, you have to open them up in Audacity because mm-hmm. it is one of the few uh, DAWs that read MOG files. What you then do is in in Audacity, you convert those MOG files into individual WAV files, which you can then bring into your Cubases, your Logics, your Pro Tools, is is is, and uh, build your tracks that way. So um, there's a couple of ways to go about building the tracks and the clicks. To sync up with the with the recordings, uh, what Dan was talking about is that you know a lot of DAWs have the ability to tempo map based on the recordings themselves, uh, and depending on the song and and the instrumentation that might be contained in said song, you can do one of two things: you can either build a click based around a you know the general tempo of the song. So if you go in and you Google uh, what is the tempo for sale. It's going to tell you that it's, you know, whatever BPM and, and, you know, for that song, it's kind of a, it's not a good example because it's a, it was built and recorded in a digital format. So it's, it is tied to a click. Uh, these songs that were built in the seventies and the eighties are very, very different. And they, they kind of vary as the song Uh, goes on and yeah. Yeah. So if it's just little stabs, it's little sections that you can kind of pluck in and pluck out, then it makes more sense to build the track in your DAW and kind of make the audio recordings fit in in the um, in the clicks themselves. But for some songs, you can't do that. And for those songs, you have to literally map the click yourself. When I did it, 
a lot of this tempo mapping stuff that Dan is talking about was not available in uh, hmm. in Logic because I was doing this roughly 10 years ago. And so what I did is I brought the uh, the drum tracks in and I used the kick and the snare tracks to build the click tracks. Yep. And that was the basically the only way that you could get things to line up because you know, if the if the drummer sped up and the key sped up, then you you kind of have to follow one one or the other. So uh, that is what I did, and it was incredibly time consuming, and I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy. But uh, Dan is now in the thick of it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. The only ones I've done so far have been, um, you know, so Sale was obviously built in a DAW to a steady tempo. It works out that once in a lifetime was playing along with that arpeggiator. Mm -hmm. The whole time that burbly yep. synth thing, so it it has a steady tempo all the way through too. Yeah. Um, so I haven't come up against one that really has a lot of push and pull feel. Um, but so the worst ones that I remember, um, one was uh, "Jump" by Van Halen. Mm. That one's particularly was particularly challenging to build. Um, Jesse's Girl, Centerfold, those kinds of songs didn't have any sort of metronome to them, and you right. do have to kind of like just follow along. Uh, one of the ones that I thought was going to be really difficult because it was the actual studio multis was PYT by Michael mm. Jackson. Huh. But I lucked out because in the percussion track, there was an 808 that has the like the digital clap. Oh. And so what I did is I took that and then I duplicated it and then sh like shuffled it over because it was basically on the on the, the quarter notes. Yeah. So all I did was I shuffled it over till it was in between those quarter notes. And then I had eighth note clicks through the whole thing nice so um you definitely get creative because you it's it's incredibly time consuming otherwise yeah so yeah yeah anyway it's interesting i think i think um and so then assuming you've got all that done you know the 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 discipline of building those files is one thing but then um i'm playing with people who um have varying degrees of exposure to playing with clicks and mm -hmm. um the the times we've tried that which have not been many times um it's been clear we need some practice at it so yeah th that'll be a thing that that uh that we will need to um to get good at and 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 fortunately you know right now we're not under any time pressure about that we don't have any good gigs on the books so we have time to to work that up um but i do i do feel like it's going to enhance what we're doing to be able to put um, iconic, important song elements up behind what mm -hmm. we're doing. I just, I just feel like it's going to make a difference. Now, are you planning on uh, playing to uh, clicks that on songs that don't have tracks? I don't currently plan to do that, although okay. I know exactly how I would. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Band Helper can emit a metronome click, yep. um, and it can do that over airplay to the wireless receiver that is also my Wi-Fi unit inside my rack mm -hmm. that's feeding into a pair of stereo ins on my, my system. So I could play, I could play that click out of my iPad, the same as I'm doing with all the other tracks that I've ever done. Yeah. Um, in principle, we could do that. And, and, uh, um, you know, one of the cases you make in your videos is that that, that alone is a big step forward in terms of tightening the band and in terms of having everyone, sort of on the same rhythmic page. And I, I, I think that's a really, I, I take that point. Um, 
yeah, might might be worth thinking about. Well, and like you had said, it it, it is a skill. It's a it's a For it's sure. something that you have to develop. Absolutely. Uh, but once it is something that is internalized, it it can make a massive difference in the end product. Yeah. So I yeah. think I think if your band does none of those things, at minimum, I think committing to trying to uh to play live to a click would be beneficial mm. just for your live shows in general yeah so. i need to go back through um band helper and populate bpms mm-hmm. into all my songs but for uh, sure but essentially once you got that done it's it's one button to make it start clicking so yeah. Yeah. very cool well um i i wish you luck because it, it is uh, it can be a bit of a slog yeah Yes. And, and the, the luxury of time to prep is, uh, is, is a good thing. Yeah. And you, you know, if, if this is something that you're not familiar with, or you, um, you'd like some more information about, uh, check out the videos on YouTube, or if you want, uh, some more focused attention, uh, shoot us an email, coverbandconfidential at gmail.com. We can, um, set some, set, set some time up and see if we can, uh, help you get, get some sort of system, uh, configured, uh, to do this kind of stuff. Yep. So I do think an episode that dives deep on like the how to of running tracks would be, that'd be a good thing to do. Yeah. I don't know if, if a podcast format is the best approach. I feel like it's, it does, you got to see it. You got to like, yeah. Yeah. So again, this is definitely something that I've been ruminating on for a little bit. Mm. So it might be time to start putting things together. Kind of like that book we, we, We've been writing. We haven't talked about that in a while, have we? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. We had an entire year and uh, we did nothing. We did. We had big plans. Oh, the biggest, you guys. So big. It's probably a third written. Maybe a half. Maybe. Maybe half. Yeah. Yeah. If you wrote it, anything. I don't feel like I wrote a whole lot. I wrote some stuff. I feel like I wrote some things, but again, I don't even remember. It's, it's uh, been a while. Go back in it's the, been a while. Go back in the old G drive and see what's in That's there. That's right. That's right. It's probably all wrong now. That's right. Yeah. Obsolete book. Absolutely. Well, folks, uh, I hope you're all doing well. I hope all of your gigs have not gotten canceled. And if they have, that you've got some uh, other fun things to occupy your time. Uh, but yeah, I uh, I don't have anything else to add to that. You got? You have any parting words? Or are you just, you're just happy to be out. Right? Oh my God. Being able to like see different walls. I walked downstairs and was like, Oh, I have a, I have a kitchen. I have a backyard. Like, ah. yeah. So I'm just, that's great. I'm just happy to be free. Very good. Yeah. Well, folks, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, we appreciate each and every one of you and, uh, hopefully your year is off to a good start. Uh, once again, if you have any other, any questions or anything, hit us up, coverbandconfidential at gmail.com or hit us up on any of the socials. If you want to support us, there's a lot of ways that you can do that. The easiest thing to do is just to sit back and listen to what our good pal Adam Moskowitz has to say about it. But I will go ahead and call it for this week. In Atlanta, Georgia, I am Adam Johnson. In Greensboro, North Carolina, Dan Ray. You've been listening to the Cover Band Confidential podcast for the week of January 14th, 2022. Have an awesome week. And that's how you rock more and suck less. Hey listener, this is Adam Moskowitz of the Van Band out of South Florida. Yes, another Adam. Adams are taking over the cover band scene. Get used to it. Sorry, Dan. On behalf of Cover Band Confidential, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Now I know you want to support this cast, so this is how you do it. 
you subscribe, you leave a five-star review, you share this episode with your musician friends, and you throw a screenshot on your story. And you go ahead and you follow the podcast on all the socials. You got Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, all of them. These gentlemen, Adam Johnson of Members Only and Dan Ray of the Clinky Lincolns, have graciously given us vast amounts of great content. So as a thank you, go ahead and send them some green energy on their Patreon page. For real, send them some digital coins. And when you do that, you'll get access to the Slack back channel, which is just musicians and band leaders chatting about the craft of being in a performing cover band. Who wins? The losses. The behind the scenes goodness. If you play at least once a month for money, all I'm saying is break off a few bucks for your favorite podcast that you always listen to. Any questions, comments, hit up the Facebook group, send a text or voicemail to their hotline. That's 404-491-0910. You can also email coverbandconfidential at gmail.com. If you'd like, you can find my band on Instagram, Facebook, at VAMBAND. That's V-A-M BAND. Do it. Seriously, I want to see that CBC bump. Or you can find everything you need at VAMBAND.com. We started in 2019. We play funk, pop, soul, R&B, Motown in Southeast Florida. I play guitar and backup vocals at Adam Moskowitz Music on IG. Also follow the CBC host on IG. That's at Adam Patrick Johnson and at Dan Ray Musician. Or visit CoverBandConfidential.com for all the goods. I'm going to go ahead and call it for Adam Moskowitz in Boca Raton, Florida. That was your outro bumper on Cover Band Confidential. Always be performing! Mm-hmm.